Imagine Zero. Yeah. So uh, we are starting this campaign today. Okay, golf claps not allowed. If we're going to clap, let's clap. All right. There you go. Okay. Okay. Now, I, uh, I want to fess up for just a minute. I'm not really sure where our normal crowd is at, so I'm assuming it's a UGA hangover. And... Uh, <laughs> Seeing how we're not, seeing how we're not used to losing, then I, I understand it, and all grace is given. But let me just stop and say to everybody, this Imagine Zero campaign is so exciting. Uh, Thursday night, we had a couple hundred leaders in the room, and uh, you'll hear more about it later on in today's teaching, but I really want you to stay focused on it. I want you to do me one huge favor. Would you pull your smartphone out? Just pull, just go ahead and take it out. Open it up. Hit the camera. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to move way over here, and I need you to put this picture in landscape mode and take a picture of our screen, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do it. All right. You got it? I'm trying to get over here so I'm not in. Sorry, Amy. I'm in your flow here. You got it? Okay, awesome. Now, what I want to ask you to do is not right now because you'll get sidetracked, but when this service is over, would you post it on your social media and just say, I'm so glad I was at my church today. All right, just do that for me and you'll know why in a little bit. Today's teaching is one of my favorite stories about a guy that has this radical transformation and Zach's right, his name is Zacchaeus. Now I learned the story of Zacchaeus as a little boy because mom and dad took me to church no matter what. And so I can remember in vacation Bible school and little kids Sunday school remembering the story of Zacchaeus. Short dude climbs up a tree, Jesus comes by, they go to his house, cool stuff happens. But I always remembered it by the song. How many of you remember the song and the hand motions? You got it? Okay, so let's do this. Are you ready? Zach, you're not singing. You're, you're going to wait until I get the fourth word out. You've got to jump on a one-word one. You ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and wee little man. Jenny, you're not doing the motions. Did you not learn these as First Baptist Huntsville? You did, but you're not going to do them? Okay. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree. You got to get your finger ready. And he said, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. For I'm going to your house today. That's how I went, right? So the part that always bugged me was the finger. Right? It's like, because the, the teachers that taught me, they were angry. It was like, Zacchaeus, you come down. I don't think that's how Jesus said it. I really believe the Lord walked by, looked at Zacchaeus, and said, hey, Zacchaeus, dude, come on down. We're going to go to your house today. And that's why he came down. Having pointed his finger and screamed at him, I think Zacchaeus would be, uh -uh. So we know a few things about Zacchaeus. But let, let's see what the Lord has to say inside the Word of God. In Luke chapter 19... These are the texts. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and looked Jesus and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. 
And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Now, I want you to notice there are several things we know about Zacchaeus. We know that he was a cheat and a thief. We know that he was Jewish, but he worked for the Roman government. He was Jewish, but he worked for their oppressors. We know that he was a wealthy thief. We know that he was a short dude, and we know he was hated and disliked because of his thievery. You see, his job was to collect taxes for the Roman Empire, but he was Jewish, so he cheated on those taxes because what the Roman government paid him, he thought, wasn't quite just. Now, we don't know what that amount was, but what we do know is if he came by your house and you owed $10, odds are good he collected 20 And if you didn't pay the 20 then you were thrown in jail or worse. And so everybody knew this guy to be a hated cheat and a thief. Imagine the guy that you, it's in your neighborhood, that is just the biggest creep in the world. This is a guy that everybody knows, that guy's bad news. You know, this is the kind of guy that, you know, if your children started hanging around, you would warn them, you don't want to be like that guy. This was the kind of guy that everybody thought, I'm going to catch him one night in a dark alley, and I'm going to take him out. He was hated and despised. But we do know this. We know that because he was short, he knew he had to do something different than stand on the curb and see and wait. How many of you ever took your kids to Disney World? Anybody took it? Yeah. Do you remember waiting in line on the curb to get just the right spot so your kid could see Ariel? I mean, it's elbows out, every man for himself, and once you've gotten that space, don't you dare try to take it because it will be ugly because we love our kids. And then your kid says, I got to go to the bathroom. And you're like, but you don't understand. I have scars on my neck where I beat that guy to my spot. Honey, you got to hold it or let it go. But we're not going from this spot. You've been there, right? By the way, taking little ones to Disney will turn them into Satan. Have you ever noticed that? I remember taking my two precious little girls, and it wasn't five minutes in the park, and all I heard for a whole day was, I want... And you know, when we left the park, you know what I thought? I want to go home. But this is Zacchaeus. He's trying to get the way to the electric light parade. And he can't get in, so he can't squirm his way in because everybody hates him. Can you imagine Zacchaeus trying to cut you in line at Publix? I mean, seriously, he already cheated, he'd stolen from you, and now he's trying to get out in front of you? If it was that TV show, what would you do? You would have lost. Because we hated this guy. I mean, we hated everything about him. So he finds a tree and he climbs up the tree. Now, here's what he doesn't know. The tree is at the corner of grace and mercy. The tree is at an intersection where grace and mercy is about to stop him in his tracks in the tree and call him out. Now, you see, the reason he got to the tree wasn't just that he was short. He got to the tree because he had a hole in his heart that said, Zacchaeus, there's got to be more to life than this. I mean, we know he didn't need money. We, we, we know he could have bought anything he had. The scriptures tell us he was wealthy. 
So it wasn't like he needed something, but he knew deep in his soul, there's got to be more than this. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a place where you thought, there's got to be more than get up, fight the traffic, go to work, come home, take your kids to ball, wait there, get another Starbucks to stay awake, rush to get dinner, and then try to go through the struggle of getting everybody to sleep on the right time. And when you finally crash, it's like it's already 6 a.m. and we're going again. That is life, isn't it? And Zacchaeus climbs up into the tree because I believe he has a hole in his heart that only Jesus can fill. By the way, I think we do. I think every one of us were born with this hole in our heart that says, there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more than what I experienced. There's got to be more than just my career or going to church. There has to be more than trying to fight and pay tuition. There's got to be more to this. And I believe Zacchaeus, as the scripture said, he climbed up there because he knew Jesus was passing by. I wonder today if, if we got here at the corner of 20 and Peachtree Industrial, I wonder how deep we'd line up if we knew Jesus, the Son of God, was physically going to walk down that way. I believe we'd have some folks climbing in trees, don't you? I think we'd have some folks that would bring in binoculars. I think we'd have some, some folks, like that one lady that would just want to touch the hem of his garment. But Zacchaeus needed to see Jesus. So Jesus comes by, looks up in the tree. Now, keep this in mind. People are six, eight people deep on the sidewalks as he comes to the corner of grace and mercy, and he stops, and he doesn't call on a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer. He doesn't call on a real estate agent. He calls on a sinner. He calls on the worst cat in town, and he stops, and he looks up in the tree, and he calls him by name. I love this. When Jesus passed by me and I was in the tree, he called my name too. Now let's get practical. When Jesus walked by your tree, Kelly, he called you by name. When Jesus passed by, Ron, when you were in your tree, he called you by name. Kathy, when Jesus walked by your tree, he called you by name. You see, all of us were built with the same God-shaped hole in our heart that only Jesus could fill. And he knew us by our name. He, Jesus didn't stop and say, hey, creep, hey, thief, hey, lowlife, get your sorry behind down here. We got to deal with this. No, I don't think the song was right when I was a kid. I believe Jesus stopped at the corner of grace and mercy and said, Zacchaeus, I want to offer you mercy. I know what you've done. And I want to offer you grace because I know you're guilty. Everybody else does. But come down from that tree and let's go refurbish your heart and your home. Have you ever watched that show with Chip and Joanna Gaines? You ever watch that show? I hate that show. <laughs> Somehow in Waco, Texas, they buy a four-bedroom home for $212,000. I couldn't buy a driveway for $212,000 in Atlanta. And then they fix all that junk up. And then they pull that, the, the, the big screen, you know, and your fixer-upper. And the, all the couples are like, oh. And yet they don't know yet that all that junk in there they have to pay for on top of that. And, and then now they've got to cut the grass and they've got to paint and they got a mop, and they got a vacuum, and all this stuff they've got to do. But look at the, the home has been renewed. 
You know who was fussing about what, what was about to be a renewal? When Jesus stops and calls Zacchaeus down, all the church folks said, oh, oh, oh boy, I guess he's not who I thought he was. You know, I'd heard these things that he's the son of God, I, but we knew he'd be a rabbi, a teacher, but we had no idea that he would be that clueless. I mean, he stopped and called the name of the sorriest dude in town and then said, I'm going to your house. What a heathen, what a horrible human he must be. And Jesus, it's, it's his reputation on the line, not Zacchaeus's. Everybody knew Zacchaeus was a bum. They knew he was a cheat and a thief. But now Jesus, didn't we expect more from him? I mean, surely there's got to be more than stopping with the lowest class human on the planet. And Jesus, you picked him? I mean, why didn't you pick Matt? He loves Jesus. Yep. Why didn't you pick Corey? He loves Jesus sometimes. I mean, seriously. The folks got bent out of shape were the most important people in the church. And they're ticked off that Jesus picked a low life to go to his house. I think we feel the same way. I don't think we've changed at all. So Jesus calls Zacchaeus, and clearly Zacchaeus comes on down. And he's like, I, I, I got it. And you know what I've noticed? That all of us basically live to our level of income. Have you ever noticed that? Like, people live, by and large, in a home that models their level of income. I've noticed that. And if, if, if someone's fairly wealthy, there's a neighborhood they live in, and then there, if you're not wealthy at all, there's a neighborhood you live in, and there's all these stages in between, but we know it when we see it. One thing I think happened was Zacchaeus' home must have been pretty stinking big and wealthy because he was rich and wealthy. We, we always basically spend to that level, and so Zacchaeus, he doesn't have to scramble like we would. Like, I, here's what I know. If I were in the tree and Jesus stopped and said, hey, Chuck, come on down. We're going to your house today. I would be texting Jenny so fast saying, I left my underwear on the floor in the bathroom. The laundry is on top of the bed and we haven't swept that one corner in a while. And oh yeah, I didn't put my plate last night in the dishwasher. I left it in the sink. And I'd be saying, could you run a vacuum quickly? And could you hide some things and show some things? Are you with me? Zacchaeus just went on home. And Jesus comes in the house. And I'm not real sure what happened. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Hamilton, the, the, the play. You know, they wanted to be in the room where it happened. I would have loved to have been in the room where that happened. Because shortly after that, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half of my fortune to the poor. And the people that I've cheated, I'm going to give them what I cheated and four times that. Jesus says, salvation has come to this home. Now watch this. Salvation can't come to a home until salvation has come to a heart. You can't have a godly home without a godly heart. You can't have a Jesus-honoring house without having a Jesus-honoring heart. You can't raise godly children if you're not godly parents. The home and the heart are hand in hand. The home and the heart are hand in glove. In that home, salvation came. But how do we know it? Well, Jesus, when he says this, 
He's saying salvation has first come to the heart of Zacchaeus, and that is why salvation has come to this home. Based on the number of folks that I could book for counseling sessions just in marital issues alone, we're in desperate need of salvation coming to some homes. I believe we've got people all over the world. I believe we have a lot of people in this room and watching online right now. That salvation hasn't come to their heart, and that's why salvation's never come to their home. And this is why we're fighting and scrapping and giving up on the world, because salvation never came to the home, because it never came to the, came to the heart. You see, I, I am fully aware in the room where it happened, Jesus did something that nobody could understand. Jesus comes, and love has come to remodel the home. Love came to bring transformation to a home. Now, you know what? He, he probably didn't need to paint any walls. He probably didn't need to change any tile. I mean, I'm imagining Zacchaeus living in a home. Like, you remember when uh, 2020 interviewed President Trump and, and the First Lady in, in their home? And it looked like a, I don't like a TBN studio with all the gold. You know, I'm just imagining Zacchaeus may have had something like that, you know? And I think when Jesus walked in, he was so underwhelmed. I think he walked in and he, I, thought, I think he looked around and he saw, man, you've got all the trappings, all the good things, but you're missing this one thing. What you're missing is you're, you're missing giving your worth to your worship because what you worship will determine how your worth is spent. And when you marry your worth and your worship, transformation comes to your home. I, on that screen, I, I believe that when our worship is connected and supremely connected to Jesus himself, our worth will follow it. The song that we sang from the inside out, this is the beauty of how Jesus does his work. I am not asking you to change how you act. That Jesus isn't mesmerized by us trying to do good. Jesus does his work from the inside out, and when he gets to the point that he's done his work, the transformation that we see is his work, not ours. It is virtually impossible for you to change what you do, how you walk, what you say, how you think, and that become honoring to God without him. It just can't be done. And so when Jesus says salvation has come to this house, it came to the worst cat in town. I mean, I, I think some of us would say, I mean, I'm glad I'm not that bad. But you know, but we still had the hole in the heart. We still had that. And the first thing after salvation had come to the house is Zacchaeus starts giving. He just said, I want to give. Now, some of you say, well, I knew we were going to get to the money sooner or later. Yeah, if you'd give more, I wouldn't. But here's the challenge, y'all. When he says to Jesus, yes, I want that to happen in my life, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house and it doesn't come to the house before it comes to the heart and so when Jesus steps in and fills the hole in Zacchaeus heart the first thing that Zacchaeus does from the inside out is start giving listen back in 08 and 09 Jenny and I lost everything we owned now you might be saying you know what Chuck but but you still had your retirement right nope but you, you held on to the you held on to the cars, right? <laughs> no. Okay, but when you got an insurance policy that pays out, right? <laughs> no. Did you save the house? No, lost four of them. 
sitting on a few million dollars worth of property down in Greensboro, Georgia, and two businesses that went away with the economy and no income for a year and a half. And I was the guy on ABC that they did a special on and said, how did it happen? And me thinking, I, I've been good with numbers my whole life. I've always been able to make a living my whole life. The one thing that I had said my whole life was I will never, ever be a pastor. So I'm sorry for the global economic collapse and what I caused you. <laughs> and yet here I am. And by the way, y'all take good care of me and Jen. We're grateful for it. But we're back. But I mean, there were weeks. I don't know if you've ever been there where the, every phone call you feel that day is somebody asking about their money. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but man, it's miserable. I remember walking into bankruptcy court and, and I'm telling you, it's, if, if y'all have ever been there, it, it is the most discouraging place on the planet. And I, I, I spent hours and hours, days, months at MD Anderson Cancer Center and that wasn't anything compared to that. I even pulled it and didn't pay it and we've paid people back and I didn't go that route but it stayed on my record for seven years. It, it was just a year ago we could finally get a mortgage. And I'm telling you, there were weeks where the choice was, do we give the church $5 or do we put it in gas? Maybe I'm not making this up, am I? It was bad. The only reason I can say to you that we have a home with a traditional mortgage and our bills are paid is not because of how well you've paid me, even though you do. It's because we sacrificially gave when we could. And I gotta tell you, some, there were weeks, seriously, sacrificial was 20 bucks. And I'm, I'm not, seriously, y'all, you know I've preached for seven years about sacrificial giving. King David put it this way, I will not bring a gift to the Lord that which cost me nothing. I believe what we give ought to be sacrificial. When Zacchaeus came out and said, I'm going to give, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to make it right. He said, I'm going to give all of this. But that doesn't happen until salvation comes to the heart and salvation comes to the home. That was the, that, that, that's what happened. And Jesus says, that's what it looks like. When you fall in love with your worship, your worth will follow and transformation comes after that, and you can't help but be a giver. And you say, now wait, Chuck, what, if I took literally what you just said, what you said was that if Jesus takes the priority on my life and my heart, and I marry my worship to him and him alone, and I take my worth and put it in line with my worship, that I should give, you doggone right. That's exactly what I said. And you say, well, well, Chuck, wait a minute now. Can't I just love Jesus, go to heaven, and not give? Yeah, you absolutely can. I believe that with all my heart. I believe you can give your life to Christ right here, right now. And if you don't give a dime, if you mean business with Christ, you're sure for heaven as if you're already there. I believe that with all my heart. But I believe when you follow the transformation process of Scripture, where Jesus comes into your house and your heart, and he takes the highest priority in your life, you will, you will first and all, foremost, follow him in believer's baptism. And as that transformation from the inside out happens, you'll become a giver. 
having been a guy that could only sacrificially give, we now can do far more. But I found that like Zacchaeus, most of us that have more wait to be asked to give. There's something in our human psyche that wants to be asked, will you give? And you know, when, when, when we all leave here today, some of you are, go, are gonna go around the lunch table and you're gonna say, you see, it's just about the money. I really want, I want to make this so clear, and I want to try it, say, say it with grace, all right? But you know, mercy is not my strong suit. If you don't want to give to the Lord, keep it. God doesn't need your money, but he does want to be supreme on your heart. And I will trust the God to be at work in you more than I will trust the zeros on the check you give. And I believe when you get him in the right priority of your heart and your life, when salvation comes to the heart and the home, you will give as Zacchaeus did. We know Zacchaeus is a creep, but after salvation came, he first became a giver. You say, well, Chuck, help me know what all this is about. Imagine zero, imagine more. Imagine zero is getting from where we are today to debt-free. Seven years ago when I got to this pastorate, which I, never, I promised the Lord I'd never do, our debt was $8.2 million. Uh, we, we would run a somewhat sizable number of folks, but our church has gone through a difficult transition at that point. I had a lot of folks that had left and lost a lot of revenue when they left. And since that time, we've had hipster churches on every corner up here. But today, we went from 8.2 to 4.5 million in those seven years. And we could continue to keep servicing it for another eight years or so and get it paid off, I guess. But why? Because, see, the, the first part of this is to try to follow the model of Zacchaeus. Let's first make sure that we've gotten Christ at the head of our heart that he has filled that hole in our heart, that that is done first because without that salvation coming to the heart and to the home, that gift will never be what it should be. And you know, I don't believe sin is a debt. I really don't. But when sin causes you to make spiritual decisions, now it's a sin. And I believe we've lived in that for about nine and a half years and it is time to be done with it. That'd have been a great time for applause. The 930 church showed y'all up radically. Let me try it again. I believe it's time to be done with our debt. Can I just have one of those pastor confession moments? I hate it when y'all half-heartedly clap. It breaks my, I mean, literally, it breaks my heart when y'all don't mean it. I'm telling you, y'all, when I think of 12 schools, 300 backpacks, churches in Cuba, Haiti, Kenya, when I think of patients with AIDS in Kenya that are alive for 27 more years because of you, when I think about all those ball teams and all those athletes that meet on Friday for Longhorn for Life, when I think of those 300 kids that go home with food on the weekend, when I think of the partnership with North Gwinnett Co-op, and I could go on and on. I could spend the rest of my time talking about all that the Lord's doing in the midst of this place. And I would say, get in or get out. I don't want anybody to leave. I want everybody to just experience the beauty and the joy and the blessing of God when we put Jesus at the heart, in the center of our heart, at the lead of our life. 
man, I, I would never want anybody to leave this church, but I would like everybody to experience the blessing of God. And on this one thing, God says, put me to the test. You give, and I don't bless you. You know what? I'll prove to you it's true. I, I, and you know what? I, mean, I, I meant what I said earlier. If, if you don't want to give because salvation has come to the heart, one of two things is true. Either A, Jesus never came to the heart. Or B, we never let Jesus get to the top of the priority. And you say, well, Chuck, I thought you said it was about money. You know, 130 plus years ago, people started a church across the street. Many of you were there when it was still there. My dad was the interim pastor when it, broke, when it burned down. And the, the day after that fire, my dad said to me, son, the best days of these churches ahead of her. And I had no idea that in 2018, I'd be the pastor of said church. And I look back at now, and I'm going to tell you, it is better than ever. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of y'all. There are churches all over America that want to know, how do you do all this stuff you do? And you know what the answer is? We got the greatest people on the planet. That's how. Let's get done with this debt. Let's be done with it. Imagine zero is so simple. I, I'm going to ask you on your way out the door today to stop by and pick up this little brochure. It'll tell you everything about it. Inside of it is a commitment card. I do not want it back until November 4th. All right? If you're going to be out November 4th, would you, would you get it to us? But it's a simple, it's a one, two, and a three. One, would you start praying about what God would have you give? And I want to ask you to get creative. I, I, I wrote a number down the other day, and then Jen and I are thinking, man, Abby's almost done uh, out of college, bless the Lord. I mean, we only got one more after that. But you know what? We have a pay raise coming when she's done. You know where most of that needs to go? Right here. Because I will not bring a gift to the Lord that costs me nothing, and I, I don't want you to hear my request without me doing likewise. Take this, pray. Secondly, I would ask you, listen. You know, most of us pray one way. We talk, we say amen, we're done. I would ask you to listen to what the Lord would have you say and, and see those things that he opens doors for, just like I'm thinking about we're done with college, bless the Lord right? But there are all kinds of other things that go with being out of college. Some of us could just stop going to Starbucks and give a few hundred dollars a year. But whatever you're going to do, do it. The tithe is still holy unto the Lord because a tithe is a floor, not a ceiling. But our gifts should be sacrificial. When the widow brought her might, Jesus saw all of his guys and said, come here, watch her. That's what looks like the kingdom of God. The guys who had gone before her dropped big things in this huge bronze altar, and they clamored with all the sound of what they'd given. And this one little kind of single grandma walks up with a tiny little mite, less than a penny, drops it in, and nobody can hear it. And Jesus grabs all of his guys and says, look at her. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. I will not bring to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Pray, listen, and then obey. We're going to ask you on November 4 to bring your commitment to this altar. Now, you could say, Chuck, how, what are we trying to do? We're, we're trying to raise $2.5 million. Because, see, in Imagine Zero, one of the things we can do is the folks that went ahead of me had a great thought, and they gobbled up 22 acres behind us. Now, in that time, I mean, the thought was we were going to expand this campus, and we were, we were going to have a, one of those big shot 
churches. Can I say, bless the Lord, we stopped where we were? Because now we, we have some legitimate offers on the table to sell 19 of those acres for more than $2 million. To go 100% to principal reduction. Okay, so for those of y'all that cut ribbons on all this stuff, thank you, because now we get to do that. So that would take that debt down to about $2 million. We're asking you to help us raise 2.5 so that we can spend money to get these buildings fixed up. We are band-aiding everything. But guys, let's be done with this. Let, let's, let's finish. From 8.2 million seven years ago, let's be done by 2021. I, you say, well, Chuck, I'm giving all I can give. Okay, but would you pray, listen, and obey? It's that simple. Would you pray? Would you listen? Would you obey? When we hit zero debt, we're going to have a party. Because we're not going to build brick and mortar. We're going to invest every dollar into leading people into a relevant, life-changing, transformational relationship with Jesus. Whether they're in Kenya, Cuba, Haiti, Los Angeles, Spain, in our local schools or in this building. But let every dollar be spent on mission and ministry. All of it. Amen. That's what we're called to do. But it's your call. You choose to pray, you choose to listen, and you'll choose to obey. And I, I, I want to tell you, I'm proud of the church. Whether we raise $2.5 million or not, that's, that's between you and the Lord. But man, let, but let's be done with making spiritual decisions because of interest. Let's make spiritual decisions because transformation has come to the heart and the home. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that the method and, and the process that you used with Zacchaeus is you called him by name. And God, I believe you're calling people by name right now. Lord, you said, come down, we're going to go to your house. I believe today there are people that, Jesus, you need to go to their house today. And there are folks in this room that are saying, I, I need to settle that first thing. I, I don't even want to worry about money. I, don't, I want to deal with this one thought that I, I need Jesus. I'm like Zacchaeus. i got a hole in my heart. There's got to be more to life than this. God, give them the courage in a moment to say, yes, count me in. And for folks that are trying to figure out what's my part in this, Lord, just speak, speak so plainly into our hearts that we can't miss it, that we would be a people that pray with the purpose to listen and obey. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we take our offering, I want to ask you to do something for me. We've done this the past month or two. And uh, it's just partly one of the dumbest things I've ever done, but well, I've just seen God do some cool stuff. A little earlier, I, I talked about what it was like to put Jesus into that hole in our heart. I, one of the things I love about Jesus, there's no magic mystery prayer. There's no, there's no solution except him. And he made it so simple that it was this, when you call on the name of the Lord, you're saved. And he fills that hole for eternity. So I want to ask you, if today you'd say, I want to settle this in my heart. I want to get Jesus in the top of my heart. I want him to fill my hole. Because I know when I do that, heaven is mine. And the transformation of my life will be real, not man-made. Would you just stand up? All it takes is somebody. All it takes, I tell you, one person stands up, three or four follow. 
Don't walk out of here and just know that everything's just going to work out. I'm going to give you a minute. It's awkward, isn't it? It's just so awkward. It's just so awkward. How about you? You say, well, Chuck, I don't want to get saved on a, I don't want to get saved on a money Sunday. I want to get saved on a heart Sunday. Well, man, you pick the right day. Let Jesus reign on the top of your heart. Miss Betty, I don't know a human on the planet that trusts Jesus more than you. It's always more, she said. I want to thank y'all. That's so courageous. Bless the Lord. At the end of the service, I want to ask you, and maybe folks who didn't have the courage to stand, just walk over that corner. Pastor Bobby will be there, and he'll chat with you. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you. Let's take up an offering. Please be sure to grab this. Take it home. Take a few if you'd like. I want to remind you that at 1.30 this afternoon, we have a processing party with our Operation Christmas Child boxes. Y'all start passing the baskets if you don't mind. And it's, it's a great time. There's still some spots left for you. So at 1.30 down in, the, uh, down in the big room, if you'll go to the elevator and go down one floor, it's just that way. Uh, love for you to join us at 1.30. We're going to process a few thousand boxes to go out to children in closed countries. Uh, and then starting tomorrow, our daily AHA and our weekday podcast is all focused on how do we connect our worth and our worship and our life and letting Jesus take a front stage of our heart. And so I just want to invite you to be a part of, of that. Every morning comes through the Sugar Hill Church app. It's the only way you get it. And uh, the daily AHA will show up there. And then weekdaypodcast.com or on the on the app, you get that. And I, really, I just can't, thousands of people join us on this. Don't miss this blessing. And then we just start praying, listening, and obeying. I, I urge you to do that. Can, can we sing one song? Yes. All right. Y'all just hang in here with you. Stand up with you. Please don't leave in a hurry. Y'all come on, stand up. Let's, let's sing one song. And then we're going to go, I, I love this. Bridge in this song that we introduced today. Yeah. Talking about who we are in Jesus. Yeah. Not forsaken, I am who you say I am. For me, not against me, I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Come on, church, let loose. You are for me, not against me.
what we do on the stage, you kind of grill that over lunch, right? So when you leave, know these three things without a shadow of a doubt, that he will go before you and make your crooked way straight. He will make your life greater. And he will come with you and within you to bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And on days that are beating you up, man, I love this. Days that the world is just sucking the life out of you. He will come behind you and he will scoop you up into his arms. And he doesn't walk you around the problem. He gets about halfway in the thick of it, turns a 360 and says, look at this mess. And he walks you out of it only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. Then he takes his arms and he wraps you up in them and looks you in the eye. And you know what he says? My child, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.